In this podcast, we reveal the tips for travellers' destination of the year. Hello, I'm Gary Bembridge and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com where you'll find links, show notes, how to subscribe, individual episodes and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travellers. Welcome to this episode of Tips for Travellers. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to be talking about the 2005 Tips for Travellers destination of the year, and that is Cape Town in South Africa. At the beginning of the year, I thought, based on what I knew my travel schedule was going to be, that it was going to be a pretty difficult decision to choose the destination of the year. In the end, it turned out to be a pretty simple thing to do. This year was the third time I've been to Cape Town, and I have to say, it's a magical place. And let's talk a little bit about why I chose Cape Town as destination of the year. First of all, Cape Town, for those of you who don't know where it is, is on the very southern tip of Africa. It's actually one of the administrative capital cities of the country of South Africa. What they do is they alternate the meeting of parliament between Cape Town and the official capital city of Pretoria. Now, Johannesburg is probably one of the best-known cities in South Africa. Many people actually think that's a capital. It is the largest city. It's also where the major financial activity takes place, where of the gold, etc., was. But Cape Town and Pretoria are the two administrative capitals, and this is largely a historical thing where South Africa is made up of a number of kind of what used to be independent states almost or provinces and each of them had a capital and when it all became kind of uh, one big united country they kind of alternated around the different capitals and gave the different capitals various bits of significance and that kind of stuff. Now Cape Town as I mentioned is in the southern hemisphere it's the very very southern tip of Africa and so that means the best time of the year to visit South Africa is in their summer which really runs from uh, around about sort of August September time through to about kind of March April May time uh, I've mostly visited Cape Town in March and it's been pretty nice weather there it's also not the peak season the peak season in Cape Town is Christmas time, Christmas New Year. It's the middle of summer. It's a very, very popular time for both international and local South Africans to vacation in. Cape Town is just stunning. As I mentioned, it's right down there on the coast and it has its famous iconic symbol of Table Mountain. And the city really sort of nestles between the Table Mountain and the coast. And um, there's lots of amazing restaurants, there's lots of amazing places to stay, and it's very, very kind of funky and trendy, as Cape Town is also where a lot of the creative industries are, so particularly filmmaking. A lot of films, particularly commercials, are made by particularly European companies there now. So it's a whole kind of vibrant, creative thing. Now I'm going to talk about my 
destination of the year things to do when you're in Cape Town, which will include Table Mountain, the Victorian Alfred Centre, Robben Island, Cape Point, Simonstown and the Penguins. I'll talk about the beaches there, afternoon tea at Mount Nelson and, and, and Long Street. But I just want to talk a little bit about the sort of downsides of Cape Town or the, the strange side of Cape Town first, and then we'll get into the positives. I've already mentioned it's a very beautiful place. It has beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery, beautiful people, beautiful architecture, lots of old colonial architecture very funky, trendy guest houses and hotels. But that's all within the bit of Cape Town that, that nestles from Table Mountain and the beaches. When you land in Cape Town, because um, most people will fly into Cape Town, it's relatively kind of isolated. You have to fly there. It's about a 11-hour 12 hour flight from, from most of the major cities in Europe, for example, much further, obviously, if you're coming from the US. When you land in, in into Cape Town and you journey from the airport into town, you passed you passed miles and miles of shanty towns where a lot of the black population live. And, you know, there's just little shanty towns made of um, iron and all sorts of stuff. And, and obviously quite a lot of poverty there. There's also lots of people walking in the streets, kind of walking to work, lots of buses. And that's the real thing that's that, you know, although within South Africa, obviously the apartheid system ended some time ago, there's still quite a big division between the haves and the have-nots. And particularly in Cape Town, it seems to still be very much split on racial lines. Not completely, but there's still a fair amount of that. So you kind of travel through all these kind of shanty town areas, and then you eventually enter into Cape Town, the city of Cape Town, and you kind of enter a completely different world. It's very European-like, and I mean European as in kind of Spain or, or whatever, Mediterranean-like. And... Once you get into the tourist part, like the Victoria and Alfred, which I'll talk about a little bit uh, later, and places like Camps Bay, which is where a lot of the uh, tourists will go, guest houses, hotels are, you, you enter this almost like slightly surreal world. For example, in all of the, the restaurants, it seems to be mo mostly kind of white students working there. Um, and you, you, it's kind of a little bit strange in, in a way when you consider all the political change within South Africa. But it is, without a shadow of a doubt, an absolutely stunningly beautiful place. You have houses going sort of up the mountain and just absolutely magnificent. Now, staying in Cape Town or visiting Cape Town is no longer as cheap as it used to be. As I mentioned in the introduction, I've been to Cape Town three times. The first time was probably about five or six years ago. And it was relatively inexpensive to visit at the time because um, the rand, which is the currency there, was relatively weak versus the pound. Uh, or even versus the, the, the dollar. And so um, hotels and things were uh, charging and rands, and they, they were kind of setting their prices really more for the local market. So hotels were relatively inexpensive. And eating out and drinks and all that kind of stuff was very inexpensive because of the currency effect. So it was a pretty cheap um, holiday. Since then, kind of Cape Town really got discovered and, you know, many, many people kind of flooded into Cape Town um, on holidays and they had quite a few kind of big international events and conferences and things. And slowly but surely, the prices of things like hotels um, has, you know, rocketed. And it's actually more expensive often to stay in hotels in, in, in Cape Town than it is, you know, going um, on holidays in, in parts of the US or in Europe or whatever. So it's no longer a very cheap holiday. And bearing in mind, it's quite a long way to get there. One of the impacts that I, am, I saw when we were there is some correspondence or, and stories 
by the Cape Town tourist authorities talking about, you know, trying to encourage guest houses, hotels to pull their prices down a bit because they're actually seeing kind of a flattening off in, in, in tourism, which is a pity, really. I mean, it's good if you're a tourist because you have more to yourself. But just, you know, it's not a cheap holiday like it used to be. And that, I think, is probably why when you're in Cape Town, um, particularly from an international tourist, it's quite an affluent, um, upbeat kind of person who, who, who travels there. Now, as I mentioned, hotels are relatively expensive. One of the big blossoming things in Cape Town, which is really worth exploring, is the guest house uh, market, guest house industry. Many people have turned these very beautiful old colonial Cape Dutch style houses in various parts of town into guest houses, and they're beautifully very trendy, very just um, really amazing. And I would encourage you, if you go to Cape Town, to perhaps not look so much on Expedia or Travelocity and look at hotels, but actually look for guest houses. And it's pretty easy to find um, guest houses. And I'm on my um, on the website tipsfortravelers.com or mytravelreviews.com. If you go to the link for the blog, you will find on the blog there um, a couple of tourist sites, um, which is cape-town.org and cape-town.net. Um, and um, any of the major kind of tourist sites um, list m- uh, many of their guest houses. Also on the blog um, and in the picture galleries, I've put pictures to where we stayed, which was a place called Cape Cove Guest House, which was really amazing. And you can see I'll also put um, some of the video um, clips of the two rooms. We stayed at two different rooms there. But again, they're run by local people um, and they are just very trendy and you have kind of breakfast included, they have swimming pools and it's just really, really nice way to stay and something I would strongly recommend. So, assuming that you've decided to go to Cape Town, what makes it the destination of the year and what are the things to do there? I already mentioned in the intro the kind of things to do. And again, on the blog, I've, I've listed, in fact, not only links to all of these places, but also a link to the TripAdvisor.com review of activities in, in Cape Town, which is also worth checking out. So, things to do. Table Mountain is an absolute must, and you can find out more at TableMountain.net. Now, Table Mountain is, is this, this huge mountain, which, not surprisingly, looks like a table. And it's something that, you know... Very early travellers travelling to Cape Town were obviously just struck by because you have this beautiful bay and you have this big, big mountain looming. Now, it's very high up. It's a very huge, big, very high up mountain. And very few people had ever been to the top because you really have to be quite fit to climb up it. So for many, many years, right back to the 1870s, for example, they were talking about trying to build a railway line. But it always seemed to get disrupted by by war. So like in the 1870s by the Anglo-Boer War, the 1912s they decided again that got disrupted by um, the wars, etc, etc. So eventually in the so the 20s, um, a Norwegian guy, um, Trigov Stromso, had an idea to build a cableway, a cable car. And eventually they raised money and eventually in October 1929 they actually opened this cable car and the cable car has now become a landmark everybody who has ever been there famous people from Queen Elizabeth II or Oprah Winfrey or Arnold Schwarzenegger anybody who's been basically to Cape Town has gone up this cable car and I will actually put a little video clip of, of going up the cable car and on the, on the blog you can, and on the website you can see a link to pictures. I mean, it's a huge mountain. You've got this massive big cable car. And I have to say, the first time I went to Cape Town, I was a bit nervous about going up the cable car because it's really, really high. Now, the cable car recently, in, back in 1997, um, was, it was 70 years um, old, and they've done a big revamp, and they've introduced, um, they introduced new 
uh, cable cars which have like a rotating floor to them so everyone can kind of get a view but Table Mountain, you get to the top of the mountain and you can just stroll around. It's absolutely stunning views. And depending on the day, you sometimes, as you'll see in the pictures on the site, you're literally above the clouds, but you have the most incredible views. They have a little um, tea room kind of cafeteria thing there. And also you'll find these little animals, which are called dussies, and you'll see a picture of those as well on the site. These little, they're like little rabbit type things which just live on this live on the mountain so table mount is an absolute um, must to do the other thing why we're sort of doing the scene thing is cape point now cape point which you can find out more at capepoint.co.za obviously cape point is um the the, the the very very end of africa if you like so it's right down there at the end of at the end of africa and um it was the it, 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 it's where the, the the seas meet each other. So you've got the Indian and then the Atlantic meet each other. So it's quite rough right at the very end. Now the first person to ever sail around the the, the, the Cape was um, a Portuguese explorer called Bartholomew Dias, and right back in 1488, and he actually stopped off there, um, and uh, he actually named it the Cape of Storms because it was so um, you know violent and so many storms. These two big seas crashing together. King John of Portugal later renamed it the Cape of Good Hope, which is what people really talk about it now. Um, Vasco da Gama in 1497, who was also Portuguese, he um, started. He again went around the Cape, and 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 that's when after he went round and he started to build the route to India, and so this whole Cape Sea route started to see a lot of people, you know, going to the to India and bringing stuff back, um, and you know because of the seas you'll you'll see it's very rough and so there's lots of uh, shipwrecks and things i'll talk about a little bit later now because it was such a big crossing point there was so much um traffic there you know they started to build lighthouses and things and right back eventually in about 1857 on cape point peak 238 meters above sea level 238 meters above sea level they built this lighthouse now you can actually climb all the way up you drive all the way up there you can go all the way up to where this big lighthouse was and it's you're, you're incredibly high up and it's just amazing you're right at the end of end of africa although strictly speaking it's a little bit further down but you on what's a generally viewed to be the the the, the southernmost point of africa although actually physically it's it's, no, it's a little bit further down the coast apparently but um you climb all the way up up, 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 and you get know, this little train which you can go up as well if, if, you, if you're a bit tired to climb all the way up there. And you go right up to the top of Cape Point where they have this little lighthouse, and you just get these incredible, incredible views um, right out. And what you see all over Cape Point are these little markers where there's various um, shipwrecks have been. So, for example, Lusitania, which was a ship with 774 people, um, they struck some rocks almost just below the lighthouse in 1911 there was another big ship in 1942 the american liberty ship the thomas t tucker which was which was supposed to be carrying troops and supplies on world war ii um and and various other other pieces now the problem was because the, the, the lighthouse is so high you actually people couldn't actually see it all the time because there's lots of fog and stuff people couldn't see it so that's also why you still have all these 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 kind of wrecks and and, and things going on but cape point is a really nice drive it's it's um you drive out of it's probably about an hour outside of cape town and you drive out there and as you drive up you can you, you often bump into baboons and it's a very lovely drive through this kind of very open just sort of grasslands thing it's a really nice day out now 
Actually, to get to Cape Point, you need to drive via Simonstown. Now, Simonstown is um, right there on the Cape Peninsula, and it was originally founded in 1743 um, as a winter anchorage by the first governor of the Cape, Simon van der Stel. That's why it's known as Simonstown. Now, the British eventually invaded Cape Town, and they took over the Cape. And in 1806, they then put the Royal Navy there. But eventually... um, you know, as history changed and, and whatnot, that obviously didn't happen anymore. And finally, though, in 1957, it became a South African Navy base. And that, it still is very much the center of the South African Navy there. And in fact, when we were there, the, the Navy was having a big Navy day. And you could actually go and have a look around and everything. But what's quite interesting is just near there um, is a huge big penguin colony. Now, everyone goes, what? Penguins? But it's hot in, in South Africa. It's hot, but the sea's very cold. And they have these what are called jackass penguins which are the, the only species of penguin that have ever colonized the African um, continent. And there's now something like about 3,000 of them. And as I said, they're at this place called Boulders Rock, which you can now drive to. And they've got all these little walkways where you can actually get really, really close to all these penguins, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of penguins. Many years ago, you used to actually be able to, to sort of swim with them, but you can't do that anymore. So if you're going out, you know, you're going out, you go out to Cape Point, you go look through Simonstown, look at these penguins, which is, which is really cool. Now, what else is there to do in Cape Town? Well, there's quite a lot of stuff to do in Cape Town, particularly eating. There's great, great restaurants. But I'm just going to talk very briefly about a couple of things. The Victorian Alfred Centre, which you could find out more at waterfront.co.za, is the huge, big kind of shopping uh, mall. And But it's very interesting because it's right on the harbour. And it, it, the reason it's called the Victoria um, uh, is it's originally named after the, the Queen, Queen Victoria, and the Alfred part was her second son, who was involved originally in the original sort of setting up of, of, of the harbour. Now, the harbour was originally built, um, they had two basins, the Alfred Basin and the Victoria Basin, but as things like the Suez Canal opened, as containers came in, the kind of that whole area, you know, was no longer really a very active harbour. But eventually, in 1988, the state-owned transport corporation Transnet, who owned that whole place, they they they, they kind of just rejuvenated it. So now there's this very large shopping mall, but there's also all, all sorts of historic buildings, some amazing buildings, like this clock tower there, which is a Victorian Gothic thing. They've got the Time Ball Tower, which is supposed to be something which is originally built to help mariners understand if they're their equipment was their chronometers and things were working properly, but I never quite understood what that was about. Then what they also have there is the Robin Island Embarkation Building. Now, this is something you've absolutely got to do. Just outside, about ten or twelve miles out of in the Cape, out from Cape Town, in the middle of of the the bay, in the middle of of the sea, is Robin Island. Now, Robin Island has a very long history to it. Um, it has always been used as a place. Um, for a good 400 years where exile people were put uh, where outcasts were put in some uh, of some kind so at various times they'd put lepers there etc but it's probably best known as where during the years of apartheid they put all the political prisoners and so people like Nelson Mandela spent um, around about 25 years there and this is probably the most emotional day I've ever been to. So it's about a four-hour round trip. You catch um, like a catamaran, which takes about 30 minutes out to Robben Island. Once you get there, um, an ex-political prisoner themselves, who was incarcerated there, shows you round. And they take you all around the whole island. And they take you to, for example, they show you where the, the guards and everything used to live. But then what they do is they take you to 
um, the, this, this, this lime pit, this um, quarry where the political prisoners used to work and explain how you know people like Nelson Mandela and stuff used to just go there day after day and work in this blazing heat and how they were treated. They then take you to um, the actual prison parts where everyone was held and you actually go around um, this prison and you see the cells where men were held for, you know, as I said, up to 25 or so years. And these cells are absolutely tiny and they have, what they've done in, in this prison is they have a little box on the wall which has um, one personal item that the prisoner who occupied that cell for a quarter of a century is left behind. So it may be a comb, it may be a card, um, and some of them have left little um, video, uh, sorry, audio, um, I'm talking about their time there. But on each of the cells, they also have a little laminated card, which is a picture of the prisoner and their story, and it's just heartbreaking. They then show you around um, through the work, you know, with the sort of the workout area, the dining rooms, etc., the dormitories, and they just tell you their own story. And it's just heartbreaking. It's just really just the most amazing experience. And it really, really is something that you just absolutely have to do. And one of the things that surprised me, actually, is a lot of people who live in South Africa and live in Cape Town don't seem to be in there. And maybe that's just because they're trying to move on. They don't want to go back and revisit the past. But it's just, it was one of the most emotional days I've ever had. And, and this, the sad thing is, you know, many of these prisoners um, are returning them there that's where they're working now where they were held prisoner which is which is quite sad but just in the most amazing amazing experience and obviously lots of people taking pictures of of nelson mandela's cell um and um so on again on the the website on the photo galleries under cape town you'll see quite a lot of pictures of of robin highland but on a lighter note <clears throat> having done robin island got the whole picture about apartheid got the whole picture of what's what's what you go back to the Victoria Albert Alfred Centre afterwards and there's lots of restaurants, lots of shopping. And just on a lighter note, three things to do. The beaches in South Africa are amazing. Clifton Beach is where we spend most of our time. There's four beaches in Clifton. And um, I've actually put a link in the blog where because Clifton is rated as one by the travel uh, uh, segment on Discovery Channel as one of the best beaches in the world. It is really beautiful. The beautiful people go there. The water's freezing cold because... Cause, uh, uh, it's the Atlantic, it's freezing cold, and so very few people swim. This is the only time that I've been to South Africa where I've actually got in the sea, because as a dare, I did it, and, and it was great, but it's cold. But on Clifton Beaches, you go down these kind of cliffs, you literally go down these cliffs, and then there's all these stunning kind of mansions and apartment blocks all up the side, very, very nice. So Clifton Beach is the beach to go to. A lot of people prefer to go a little bit further down to Camps Bay, which is just a little little drive down the way. Afternoon to the Mount Nelson, and that's mountnelson.co.za. Mount Nelson is probably the most famous hotel there. It's a very old hotel. It's a five-star hotel. It's quite expensive to stay there, but they do a great afternoon tea that's worth booking to, to do. In terms of shopping, once we've gone to the mall, the more trendy, funky place to go is Long Street. Now, Long Street used to be the longest street in Cape Town, and it still is pretty. It's a pretty long street, but it's it's got all these... Um, a great stunning architecture which is all these old cape dutch colonial victorian buildings with all wrought iron and stuff and it's a very eclectic mix of clubs and shops and cafes and internet cafes and all sorts of stuff and it's really really worth um, taking a, a, an amble down long street and i've put a link to the site which talks a little bit more about about long street it's three and a half kilometers uh, long now also just about halfway down long um uh, long street is um Green Market Square, which is a market which has lots of curios and paintings and clothes and leather goods and, and stuff. And you can eventually get to Castle Street where the tourist information place is. So that's our quick 
kind of flit through Cape Town, um, the destination of the year. It is quite an amazing place. It is stunningly beautiful. Um, you could spend a long time there. There is a lot of stuff to do because on top of all, all the, 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 the scenery and the sightseeing in Cape Town, you can go right out into the, in, into the um, into Stellenbosch, to the, where all the wine vineyards are, which I haven't covered in, a lot in this podcast. There's also cultural stuff, all the, the big shows, the big um, you know, Broadway shows will often be on in some form or fashion in Cape Town. So there's lots of arts, there's lots of culture, and there's this very big eclectic mix and it's also very interesting, though, as I said, that still that strangeness between um, uh, old South Africa and new South Africa. And, and, and it's just interesting also soaking up how that's all changing. So the destination of the year by a long way for 2005, Tip for Traveller, Cape Town. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast with Gary Bembridge. To find out more, visit the Tips for Travellers website at tipsfortravellers.com. That's all one word and spelt the UK way with two L's. That's tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com. There you'll find contact details, links and much, much more. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, search on iTunes or Yahoo Podcasts for Tips for Travellers.